We are in a good series this year. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. I know that I certainly am. And, uh, you know, just as we are working with the Lord and letting Him changing our hearts and uh, causing us to see new things, uh, 2016 is, is going to be a year of exciting uh, opportunities for, for many people. And, you know, and we're, when we're uh, looking at God and discovering the wonder of who He is, he, there is a, as a, there's a two-part. If you see Him more accurately, you see who you are more accurately. Because we're made in His image, so when you see Him correctly, you will see a more accurate picture of yourself, the nature of the person you were created to be both naturally and spiritually. When you look at Christ and you realize in him is the one I live, but in him is all the fullness of the Father. So all the realities of the, the cross, the lifestyle of Jesus, is what he wants to work in us. Not just a kind of a what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing in me? This is the point. It's not just the wonder of Jesus. Oh, wow, he's good. This good God is working in you and me today. That's the reality. So when we say the wonder of who he is and the wonder of who we are, we're expressing something incredibly powerful with these words. It's not just a, a, an identity, but it is the life of Christ today in you and me. Amen. So we're, I'm excited for, uh, for the changes that are going to happen this year. When we told uh, Pastor Colin Urquhart uh, that we were uh, going to use his daily confessions, his comment was, well, your church is going to be different at the end of the year. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, if you, if you get hold of these promises, and start to really look at yourself in the mirror and speak, direct yourself, I have direct access to the Father. I have direct access. There's so many others. I'm just quoting one from last week. I'm just like, I just spoke that over myself. I, did, I took it several days. I didn't just speak it once. It was just too good. Today, you and I, right here, right now, have direct access to the Father. Amen. And Jesus is right there interceding for us. That's what we've been speaking about today, uh, this, this week. So as we look at these wonders and we're looking at uh, the promises, uh, we are getting an accurate picture because John was the disciple that knew Jesus the best. He was the one that the, the level of love between the two of them was the highest level. John got Jesus, and Jesus understood that. So John was told things that none of the other disciples were, not the rest of the 12. So even on that last supper, when he says, one of you is going to betray me, Peter leans over to John. Peter doesn't ask Jesus. Peter leans over to John and goes, you ask him, he will tell you. He tells you stuff we don't know. So when we read John's gospel, there's stuff hidden in there in full view 
actually. Because see, this is, the, this is the mystery with God. He puts it in plain view, but we have to search it out like it's something hidden to discover the fullness of what God's got for us. Yeah, it's right before. It's, this is the amazing thing about Revelation. Suddenly, it's like the lights go on and you go, how could I have never seen this before? I've read the Bible how many times? And I've never seen that verse before. Even though you've spoken it out loud, you've prayed it, you've done it, it's like suddenly it becomes real. That's Revelation. That's what revelation is. It's the word of God becoming real. And so that very first miracle we've been looking at, uh, the water uh, turning into wine, uh, we, we just, uh, I'm not going to go into too much of it because it's on the podcast, but we are clean, filled vessels. That's key for everything that God wants to do next. And then, then the miracle happens at his word. We need to make sure we are full of the Spirit that we are totally right up to the top. We're, we're focused on Jesus, we're fully available, and we're clean and full of the Word because it speaks of this new covenant. This new covenant was not just a bit of water, but was wine. It's supposed to go to your head and make you do daft things. Okay? Just get over it. You're not on water anymore. You're on wine it's good stuff. It affects your heart. It makes your face glad, you know? <laughs> it makes you do daft things, except they're not crazy, stupid things. They lift the name of Jesus, and they give him honor and glory. We have to be willing. And uh, we saw it uh, reveal Jesus as the creator. And then we saw last week, we were into the royal official's son, and... Uh, Again, I'm not going to go into to many things, but what we saw was signs-based faith is no faith. If you follow Jesus because of the signs, you're going to miss him. If signs is what you're waiting for, for you to obey Jesus, you're going to miss him. The man took Jesus at his word and discovered afterwards, the following day, that that word had changed his son's situation. His faith was trust in action. Faith is trust in action, or action-based trust. And we saw that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's our healer and our health. And so we're, we're moving on to the, uh, the next of the miracles. And uh, I've been there. It does look crazy. It does look uh, deep. There is a pool Actually, Bethesda, there is this pool of Bethesda. It's, it actually exists. And uh, it's interesting because the, uh, the, the historians actually had real problems with this account of uh, John because they couldn't find where this pool was. Uh, it was only discovered in the 1960s. And uh, they, they ridiculed the description until the archaeologists dug it up and found exactly the way that John describes it. So let's just have a look into John's Gospel. John chapter 5. And uh, so there's a bit of a sign of uh, just to give you an idea how close it is um, on, on the diagram above. So John's Gospel chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. 
Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a large number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Sorry, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. I think he got it right, don't you? Who do I listen to? So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews, It was Jesus who made him well. You know, when we're, uh, when we're looking at this, there's a number of things to, to really uh, pick out. And uh, this pool, this pool of uh, uh, Bethesda, um, it says that it was an angel. Scripture doesn't teach us uh, whether there actually was healing there, but the reality is people wouldn't stay there if this angel didn't appear from time to time. It doesn't confirm or deny. It just says it was, the, it was told, it was said that an angel stirred. Jesus doesn't correct that. John doesn't seem to correct it. And there, there do seem to be some places like Lourdes and other places that people seem to be able to go and get miracles. It seems like faith is there for a miracle. And if you go to uh, this place, what you will discover, this is not um, a bath that you just kind of one step down and you're in. This, this is a deep pool. Yeah, in fact, actually, the word is, um, actually suggests that it's a diving pool. It, it, or um, it, it's a mikveh. It's a Jewish ritual bath for cleansing and purity beside the temple. It had to be uh, fed by a stream or rainwater. It could not be a standing pool. It had to have an inlet and an outlet, in which case it was called, it was said to have living water in it. Just some interesting uh, facts about this pool. So this pool is full of living water. Jesus talked about this, didn't he? He said, the, the water I give is going to become living water inside you, out of your innermost being. You're not just going to drink and be thirsty again, but out of your innermost being, something is going to flow, living water. So it's a stream that has an input into the pool and an outlet out. So it doesn't stagnate, it's full of life, it's full of healing. 
So it's good, isn't it? Symbolic of us. When we understand that we have this living water inside of us, it's not stagnant. It's not a pool that is just uh, uh, shallow and it's not just uh, static, but it's inflows and outflows. So if you've not got the inflows of daily confessions, you won't have fresh living water. Uh, there we go. So, but it also happened... And it happened at a time of feasts. Now, we don't know whether it was the Passover uh, or Tabernacles or Pentecost. We don't, we don't know which one. It doesn't say. But it's happening at a time of Sabbath. So it's happening at a time when every man was required to be gathered. You didn't have a choice. It's a little bit like church. Why do you miss any Sundays? Do you really want God's plans? Because if you missed a Sunday, if you missed the feasts, you were cut off from Israel. If you didn't go to the Passover, you were then barred for life from being a participator in Israel's plans for the future. That's harsh. Now, praise God, we don't live under the law. Whew. So when you miss a Sunday, you're not cursed. But if you're not cursed, that's okay. But you can't live in blessing. There is a blessing, and so it says, do not give up meeting together. There's a command because it comes with a blessing. See, under the old covenant, it was all curses for disobedience. Under the new covenant, we understand we're no longer cursed. You just can't enter blessing. That's what the tithe and all those other commands about loving enemy and not judging and whatever the other commands are. You you're, you're cause problems to yourself by not living in blessing. That's right. So, but the, this, uh, this whole process speaks to this about salvation. It's, it's referring to the salvation process. Living water, not just an event. You see, the, sab the, the Sabbath... You, you had, if you didn't keep on going, you were cut off. And if we don't keep on with Jesus, we will find ourselves cut off. Salvation is not an event, it's a process. Yeah. It's not a once and for all. I've given my life to Jesus, I've got my ticket to heaven, I can do whatever I want. But we have this obligation to go on daily living with Jesus, letting him live in us, letting it be living water, not just a fill-up from time to time when it rains. But a stream of living water. What's also unusual about this? This is the only miracle that we read about where Jesus went and found the person. That's really unusual. Every other miracle that we read about, the people found Jesus. They cried out to Jesus on the roads. The crowds gathered around him. They, they screamed their heads off and climbed trees and things happened. And this one is the only one where Jesus went and found the person. I know we got called to go and find the lost, but uh, how many of us are looking for God to bring people to us God has promised to bring people to us. Now, we do need to go and find the lost, but are you looking for the opportunities that are right in front of you? 
because if you do that, then you can be obedient to the ones that God says, I want you to go to this person. Because actually the reality is we don't go to that person because we don't do the ones right in front of us. Actually. The, the, the go over there and speak to that person happens occasionally. The people right in front who are asking for the miracles, asking for life from us, those are the ones who need to meet their needs. And uh, so as we're looking at this, uh, the pool of uh, Bethesda, the, the name Bethesda, this uh, is, it means the house of kindness, the house of mercy, or the house of grace. Somehow the, it seems to mean all these names, and I never understand that. But it also was called the house of shame, the house of disgrace, because of the number of people that went there because they were ill. And you see, this is the thing. So much sickness produces a shame. People are ashamed of how they are or what's going on in their body or they feel disgraced or, or they feel they can't come near God because of what's going on in their lives. Yet the very place of grace, the place of mercy is where they're supposed to be. But there needs to be fresh water there. It needs to be stirred. There needs to be some faith. There needs to be some action for the miracle to happen. And God is waiting for us to stir up the gift inside us. Amen. Come, on. Come on. Not wait for an angel to tell us to do stuff. Stir up the gift inside. When we walk into a situation, we are the angel. We're the angels that God has got for the situations around us. That needs to stir the water because some people are waiting. People are waiting for some miracles to happen. You and me are the miracle. We are Jesus walking the earth. The body of Christ on the earth. You see, sin, sickness, gets people focused on judgment. They feel condemned. They feel judged. They feel worthless. And God wants to say, get up. I have something fresh for you. I've got something fresh for you. And it's very clear because of what Jesus says, uh, John says in, chapter, in verse 14 here, this person's sin was the problem. Okay? His sin was the reason for the sickness. Yeah. Go and sin no more or something worse is going to happen is what Jesus says to the man. Your the sin is the issue in this man's case. Sin is not always the issue. Jesus made that very plain on other occasions. He said, this one is for the glory of God. In other words, something's going to be revealed of God's glory. It wasn't the person's fault. This situation, Jesus is clearly saying, your sin is the issue. That's why you're sick. Stop sinning. You know, we need to hear that. We need to speak that sometimes. Guys, the reason this is happening to you is the sin in your life is giving the devil the opportunity, an open door to play havoc in your life. But we don't need to say that every time. We're not judgmental. We're not supposed to judge. We're not supposed to call people sinners They call them that themselves. 
We're supposed to call out holy people, to call them into something different, to, to, to say things like, do you want to be healed? You see, when, when someone's sick, they can identify with the sickness. The sickness, the, the infirmity, the problem can become their identity. How often people say, I've got a cold. I mean, it's just something simple. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm coming down with a cold. Uh, they, they speak about things as if they're theirs. They own it. Why would you ever want to own sickness? It's not what you're designed for. But this man, Jesus asked him a really key question. He says, do you want to be healed? And that's what we need to ask people. It's a key question for us. Ask people, what would they like? We need to remember this ourselves. You know, and not just put up with sickness. Lord, hang on a minute. I don't have to. Please. Actually, I'm asking you, Jesus, for the healing that's mine. You know, at faith camp, uh, Pastor Conor was giving a testament. I remember being there when, uh, when these miracles happened. He, uh, he, he said uh, at the end of this uh, sermon, came down from the stage, and there was, a, there was a, a group of people in wheelchairs. There was a lady lying on a bed, and he walked up to one, reached his hand out, and just lifted the person up, and the person was healed. Went to the next person in the wheelchair, lifted his hand out, just pulled the person up. Went to the lady in the bed, lifted her, healed. Walked around the place, because she hadn't walked for a number of years. Fourth person did nothing. He walked by, lots of other people got healed, went back up on the stage, finished the sermon, never touched or prayed for this woman. I remember at the time thinking, that's a bit strange. But his testimony afterwards was the woman's son, there was a woman in the wheelchair that wasn't getting prayed for, came storming up to the stage at the end of the service and said, why didn't you pray for my mum? And Collins said, the Lord told me not to. And I was so taken back, he, he, he was still was angry, but it was, it was such a response, he said, will you come and talk to her? And Colin went and talked to her. It was clear the woman had no faith, wasn't ready for a healing. Imagine if he had prayed. The faith level that had been going up, up, up would have gone plummeting down. It would have been a disaster because he disobeyed God. You see, one of the things that Colin said there, I didn't pray for a single one of them. I literally lifted them up. God didn't say pray. He said, reach out, pull them up. I did exactly what he said. If I'd prayed for them, he said it would have been like Moses hitting the rock rather than striking the rock. God told me what to do. I did it the way he said, and I got the results that he said. A couple of years later, Colin went to a church and a man came up and said, I was there at faith camp. Do you remember me? You wouldn't pray for my mum. I want to tell you what's happened as a result of that. That night, I was not walking with God. 
And when you said, God told me to not pray for your mum, I realized God was real. I'm now the pastor, or one of the pastors at Kensington Temple. See, it's so important for us. You see, what did Jesus goes on and he says, see you're well again, stop. And then in the next verses, Jesus begins to unpack what's happened. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. That sounds really good. And we read on, this is in verse uh, uh, 15, uh, 17, sorry. And we read on. And for this reason, the Jews tried to, all the harder to kill him. See, when healings happen, persecution comes. When miracles start happening, there becomes a divide between those who know God and those who don't really know God. And when you understand this, you're going to realize the miracles point out differences. What God beginning to do here more and more with us is get us demanding what is rightfully ours. And then not just demanding it for ourselves, but seeing that becoming a reality for many. That there will be a division between churches that don't walk in the truth more and more. The greater the darkness, the greater the light. So are we pressing in for all that God's got for us? Are we intercessors who have got living water flowing through us, stirring up the gift so that the miracles become plentiful, or is it just in the spoonful of water from time to time? You see, this miracle, this man, all of the work was done by Jesus. But he says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. This is Jesus. This is our Messiah saying something that is critical for you and for me. Like Pastor Colin said, God didn't say pray for those people. He said, give them your hand and lift them up. He said, don't pray for that woman. The result was her son got saved and entered the ministry. See, obedience is a critical element for you and for me. Understanding this power within is not mine to control. The gifts of the Holy Spirit own me, not me owning the Holy Spirit gifts. The ministry owns me, not me having a ministry. I have no ministry. I'm owned by the ministry. This is what Jesus was saying. The son can do nothing by himself. The good news is when you realize you're not by yourself, then all things become possible to him who believes. Yes, yes. Yes. So this morning, I believe God is going to touch hearts. I believe there will be miracles. Are you taking my word or are you taking God's word? Because he said, whenever the gospel is preached, signs and wonders will follow. 
So I'm like, oh, Lord, how do you want to do the signs and wonders this morning? What do you want to do? Is, is it something with one person? You see, for me, this is, this is the crazy part of, of this whole uh, account. Jesus walks into the hospital ward. One person gets healed, and he leaves without anyone else grabbing him. Now, either he totally ignored everyone going, me, 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 next. Which doesn't seem likely. Because we have other accounts where he saw the sheep and they were without a shepherd and the compassion rose in his heart and he healed all their diseases. Do we honestly think if he healed all their diseases there, that if anyone else had said, me, please, help, would he have passed them by? If we understand who this Jesus really is, we understand this heart of compassion almost took over him at times. The love of God in him. See, he was, he was man like you and me. He wasn't God walking the earth. He was a man who had to be obedient in the same way as you and I do. So when the Spirit of God moved him, he was able to heal. When the Holy Spirit didn't move, he did not try. The number of times I've prayed for people, I'm like, oh, Lord, I really don't feel like there's anything happening here. Or I stand at the front of church, and I'm worshiping, and I'm thinking, God, is anyone else in this room? But I, I don't go and get up and go, you awful people for not worshiping. I just get on with it. I know if I will enter into worship, others will begin around to get into it. You matter on a Sunday. When you're here and you enter in, you change the atmosphere. If you're here and you don't enter in, you don't change the atmosphere. You could be here, but not here. The, the power of God, you see, when we're stirring these things up, these... The, the, the power of God being released in our lives is so powerful that it will change the destiny of a whole week for someone. I, I, I'm waiting for the, the testimonies. The three people spoke to me in the last week about significant miracles, significant breakthroughs. And uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping someone's going to get their phone out, and do a selfie video and go... I just want to tell you about what God's done for me this week. I, I was, what was the word you were operating in? What happened next? Only two minutes, and you go, great. Email Pastor Allen. It's, it's that simple. We have these, these wonderful things called phones. We use them for all kinds of rubbish stuff. Let's see some testimonies that I can put them up. You see, these are the wonders. These are the wonders. It stirs the water for other people. You're waiting for me to stir the water. But who's stirring the water here right now ready for a miracle for the person next door to you? Did I hear that? Did I hear anyone say I'm into that? Who's stirring the water for the person next to them this morning? See? 
Who has got the heart of God? You see, it's the house of grace. Jesus is the good shepherd. This is the house of grace. This is the house where mercy is the decider of everything. God not treating us like we deserve, and grace, God giving us what we don't deserve. This man was in sin. Didn't actually appear to repent. That's unusual. Jesus usually looks for repentance before the miracle happens. But it's clear Jesus got the repentance afterwards. He did the miracle. See, that's his grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. But there does need to be a change of heart. The man, sin no more, or something worse is going to happen. He's tasted and seen God's good. He's tasted the living water, the wine. It's gone to his head. Woo! He's stood. He is going for it. And as I really just think about this, we read in verse 21, it says, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Jesus has given you and me life. We have life living inside us. We know that we pass from death to life. How? Because we love the brethren. It's the sign, the love of people that has been put in us rather than a selfish desire is part of the demonstration. You and I, we're saved, we are being saved, and we're going to be saved. There's no question mark about it. I'm going to be saved. That day of judgment is God waiting to show me the full extent of my salvation, not judgment. He's waiting to completely prove, you finished. You finished well. You finished well. You see, there's some key words that keep coming up in John. There's some key words that keep coming up when we talk about faith. Faith plus humility plus love equals obedience. In Philippians 2, Paul writes to these people, he says, these are his partners. These are the people that supported him and really going for it with him. Financially, they're supporting Paul out on the mission field and doing all kinds of things. And he says, your attitude, this is starting at verse 5, Philippians 2, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, I want people around me to confess Jesus is Lord. 
I have to be obedient. Obedience takes faith. Do I believe that if I'm humble and don't try and get my way, but live to be a blessing to others, taking God at his word even when I don't understand it and don't know what it's going to mean for me, I don't know the cost? You see, this is the gospel. God gave his son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. Uh, it's not just that. But whoever believes in him and believes that he was raised from the dead shall have eternal life. It's not just that Jesus died for me. Jesus died, I died. Jesus rose from the grave and I rose with him. Jesus ascended to heaven and I have been raised to heaven with him through faith. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the direct access I have to the Father. This is the direct access I have to the Father. This is the miracle. This is the, this is the life. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We are to lay down our lives for others. This is Jesus is not just a symbol. He's not just, he did it. And he says, you will be blessed if you do likewise. Are we living for ourselves? Or are we living for others? This wonder, this amazing sign, a healing at a pool, is a sign and a wonder for us. A challenge, a, a test, a opportunity, a dividing point in the road. How are we living? Where are we going next? You've been living by faith. Are you going to go on living by faith? Just because you've seen God provide in the past doesn't mean you're going to see him provide in the, in the future unless you trust him. But if he did it in the past, he's going to do it in the future. We need to make sure we're taking the right path. That we're not trying to make it happen. I'm this morning, I'm like, Lord, who are you going to work? What are you going to do? Who are you going to do a miracle with? And I, I just, I think we need to just get on our feet. We need to begin to respond to God. Humility is not me going and laying hands on everybody and hoping that someone gets healed. Humility is, I was waiting before the Lord and going, Lord, we trust you. We put our life in your hands. We put our future in your hands. We dare to take the people that you are putting in our hands and hold them before you uh, with care, with love. I dare today to say yes to being the pastor of the church afresh for this coming week. I say yes to being the, the wife, or the husband to, to Claire, my wife. I say yes to being dad to my children, even though they're grown up. I'm doing this by faith, not just because I have to, but today 
I put my trust in Jesus. What are you putting your trust in? What are you putting your trust in? This miracle shows us to stir the gift that's inside. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We prayed last week. Holy Spirit got poured out on people. And the week before. So is the tap on inside? Are you praying in tongues? Jackie Pullinger went to Hong Kong and she realized that this tongues thing was important. So she determined she was going to pray in tongues 10 to 15 minutes every single day until she really got a good flow going. And she, she knew this was a gift she needed. And in six weeks, she did this. Seven and eighth weeks, she saw a change happen. Instead of her going and trying to talk to people, people were talking to her in the streets. There was a shift happened. If you don't pray regularly in tongues, I challenge you, I encourage you, I want to provoke you, I want to say, start, set a clock, just pray in tongues, 10, 15 minutes, worship the Lord, just honor him and see what God does next. In humility. See, faith and love, but the middle bit's humility. Faith and love, but the middle bit is humility. Not I, Christ. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Not I, but Christ, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Father, I want to obey you. Father, you've made it possible for me to obey you by giving me a new heart. And I confess that today. I say to myself, I am well able to obey everything that God, my Father, gives me to do. Speak that over yourself. I have a new heart and a new spirit, therefore I can obey everything that Jesus asks me. I have a new spirit. 